Welcome back to another episode of the In Raw Life podcast. When we started this podcast, we were empowered to share ours and other people's stories in order to let you all know that none of us are alone in this big, beautiful world. We even dove into a few of our nearest and dearest stories that are unlike our own stories through August and September to bring compassion and awareness, and we absolutely loved it. Our podcast is going to take a little bit of a turn come January 2022, when we'll be giving you more actionable steps to managing your time and actually achieving work-life balance. But before we do, we want to fully embrace our love of sharing stories. So all this month, we are doing a series on big and difficult life stories from women who are inspiring and empowering. These women have been through the trenches, yet still find ways to be grateful and live life to the fullest. We hope that their stories inspire you. Our first guest is Amanda DiMonda. She has a big story to tell, so we'll let her tell it. Enjoy. Do you ever feel like you are the only one living a life that is too hard to handle? Welcome to the In Raw Life podcast, where we're going to talk about real life in its raw form. Each week, we'll dive into the stuff that nobody really likes to talk about because it's uncomfortable, painful, a little awkward, or just weird. We want to normalize all of that and help you realize that you can live out your dream even in life's messiness. I'm Sierra. And I'm Jessica. And we're living our dream lives in real life, in raw life. Hi there, my name is Amanda. Um, First of all, I just wanted to thank Jessica and Sierra so very much for your beautiful podcast and platform. You're so inspiring and I just absolutely love what you're doing and the idea and um, you're truly beautiful soul. So thank you for sharing you with us and for um, empowering other women the way that you do. Um, I am honored and humbled for you to ask me to come on and share my story today Um, and I will do my best. I'll be honest and say I am a much better writer (laughs) to getting my thoughts all down on paper than I am a speaker. So I will do my best to dive into this with all of you and share um, a little piece of my heart. So basically where it starts is I had cardiomyopathy, dilated cardiomyopathy. I was diagnosed a day or two after my twin girls were born and they'll be 17 in December. So it was quite a while ago now, Um, but It was a long road for recovery for me. I was in heart failure. I almost had to have a defibrillator. My body couldn't handle all the medication that it required to help you heal and improve. So it took many, many years for me to get where I am today and I'm at a good place today. Um, Basically, I'm at normal for me. It's still a little, my ejection factor and my numbers are a little slightly on the edge, but it's normal for me and I do very well. So it's unclear if mine is related to a pregnancy or if I have other autoimmune issues and there's a chance that it could be combined with that. Um, So yeah, so basically you are not supposed to have, if you have cardiomyopathy, it's one of those conditions where you're not supposed to get pregnant again because it can come on early, it can worsen early on within a pregnancy. Um, You, you know, so many bad outcomes. The mom might not make it. Babies might not make it. You might just so many things around that. Um, but that's kind of where my story starts. Okay. Um, so I'm going to bring you to 2010. 
back to 2010. So it was a really rough year for my family. We, my husband's cousin, Brian, was a first responder during 9-11. We were living in New York at the time um, to, in 2010. And um, Brian stayed down in, during 9-11 for, gosh, I believe it was two weeks he was down there. Um, long story short, he developed a really rare form of cancer from being there, and we lost him in January of 2010. And while we were at his funeral, um, I had a weird experience where I actually saw my dad. When I was saying goodbye to Brian, I, I saw my dad. I saw a flash of my dad. Um, and long story short, a few days later, I get a call from my parents that... Um, my dad needed to have an emergency open heart surgery. He had to have a triple bypass. So we lost Brian in January. In February, we were flying home, early February. We were flying home to see my parents and be there for my dad while he went through the surgery and my mom. Um, that went well, thank goodness. So fast forward to March of 2010, there was a nor'easter, which is this crazy storm that blew through and our home in Long Island, it, the roof, the shingles were pretty much blown off or destroyed, however that works, and water went through the roof of our home and we were displaced for uh, some time um, until the end of April. So almost like a good two months living out of hotels and RVs, wherever we could figure it out. We were, our girls were in kindergarten at the time and we were commuting back and forth for that. Um, so just everything was so crazy and just not a very stable place to live. So when Easter came around, I flew my two daughters and I to, we flew to Minnesota to be with my family over Easter. And my husband actually stayed back. Um, I don't remember the details around all that. It was such a crazy time, but he ended up staying back to take care, take care of some things. And the girls and I, he had the girls and I go to get away. Um, came back in the end of April, we were finally back in our home. And um, during those years of healing and recovering from cardiomyopathy, I had several moments where there were scares and I ended up going into the emergency room or the doctor and just making sure that things were okay. Um, because I truly wasn't very healthy during that time. I would honestly uh, lose my breath just singing a song to my kids. So it was a crazy time, but I wasn't feeling well. I remember this time it, it wasn't feeling well at all. It was scary. I knew something was really wrong. I had, I was home alone with my daughters. I had called my neighbor over and honestly, it's such a blur. I can't remember if that time they called an ambulance and my husband came home and I was on, an, I believe I was on an ambulance to the hospital that time. Um, and of course they started, we've been, I had been there many times, run through all the tests. Um, of course I had to take a pregnancy test and I told them they were absolutely crazy. There was no way I was pregnant. I couldn't be, I was not allowed to have any more children, um, having cardiomyopathy and, um, we were waiting, <laughs> we were sitting there waiting. And I remember I can see it. My husband, I told him, you know, he was starving, he hadn't eaten, and his sister was across the street from the hospital at a diner, and he's like, do you care if I go eat? I was like, no, of course, go, I'll be fine here. Um, well, it turns out that um, a nurse came to me with some of my results while he was away, and 
it's, <sighs> sorry. <laughs> um, so she came to me and she basically told me that the problem was why I was starting to not feel well and why I was feeling the things I was feeling because I was actually in fact pregnant and the blood drained from my body like my heart was in my stomach and it was terrifying because I knew what that meant um and scary so I, I just remember this woman and it is so amazing how certain people are placed in your life at the right time she actually my nurse actually had twins and she actually also had cardiomyopathy um during her pregnancy and hers was from a pregnancy related but she knew what that meant for me as well um and you know i can't remember her face <laughs> i can just remember her the feel of her presence and there couldn't have been a better person to tell me that news than gosh because in that moment she probably was the closest woman that i could have had to understanding the position and what that meant for me um so I'm grateful for her. I wish I knew her name, knew her name now, but um, I got on the phone, I called my husband, and I, I don't even know how that conversation went, but I told him and he instantly knew what that meant. He dropped everything and came back over. Um, and I don't even remember how that night ended, um, but I do know, you know, we got in touch with my cardiologist um, and saw him the next day. And again, crazy how people are in your life. My cardiologist actually had another patient just like me. Um, she had two other children and before, you know, and I don't know how her cardi, her, how her history went, but she had two children and was told not, she couldn't have any more because she had cardiomyopathy and she got pregnant and um she kept the baby and she didn't make it um i am not sure what happened with the baby i don't remember that part of the story but i i do know that this woman didn't make it and she left her family and lost her life um with this pregnancy and so my doctor carrying that with him and knowing where i already was with my heart and my journey and you know my recovery process um and here I was just finding out I was pregnant and that it was already, my body was already starting to attack itself. So it was clear to everybody around me that there was no question that I couldn't have this baby, that I had to terminate this pregnancy. Um, but to me being a mom and already having gone through that, it, it was just difficult for me to hear and I didn't want to accept it. Um, long, I guess not really long story short, but um, I found out that I was so early along in my pregnancy that I had to wait three to four weeks. And it was a good three weeks, almost four weeks before they could even terminate the pregnancy. I had to go through a series of tests um, to make sure my health, my heart was even strong enough to put me under to even go through that procedure. That was even in question at where I was at. Um, so it was a crazy sad blur of a time um it was the end of april and so i had to wait three to four weeks before we could do this so i took that time to research doctors and look into high-risk pregnancies and 
ask all the questions and everybody around me already knew the answer. And my husband, you know, he was, he understood what I was doing, but he didn't understand what I was doing because he knew that I couldn't, there was no answer other than terminate the pregnancy. Um, so I, I just went into this downward spiral. Gosh, they, <laughs> I had to let this baby grow <laughs> inside of me, knowing that I had to take it away, take him away. I always felt he was a boy. Um, he was taking care of me from the start. I craved, like, craved raw vegetables and all these healthy things. And, um, yeah, sorry, it's still hard. <laughs> It's still hard to, you know, get the right words and to talk about it, but my heart didn't want to let go of a chance that I could make it work, even though all the odds were stacked against me. Um, I had to go through Mother's Day, and I remember we actually went out. We had family members who owned um, this place where there was brunch for Mother's Day. It was like this big event, and we went. A lot of our family members were there. Um, I was miserable. So my brain played tricks on me. Um, it said, you know, what? how dare you even think <laughs> about terminating this pregnancy? What kind of mother are you? Um, and then on the flip side, it did the same thing with why aren't you thinking about your two beautiful children that you have here and doing what you need to to be here with them and taking care of them. So I got it on both sides and um, honestly, I thought I was the worst mother in the world and how dare I even be allowed to celebrate such a day with what I had, the decision I had to do, to make in front of me um, or the, the, the task I had to do in front of me is I didn't have a right to be a mother. Um, uh, we had people in our family actually at the time who were trying desperately with infertility and doing, going through that route of trying so desperately to get pregnant. And here I was um, among all those people trying to put a smile on my face. Some of them knew, some of them didn't know. And um, just, you know, how dare I? How dare I be allowed to be there and to celebrate such a day when, and, doing, and knowing what I had in front of me. It was really difficult. Um, my husband, bless his heart, he um, would try to tell me that he wasn't a baby yet. Um, I hated that because I knew he was. I, I, you know, I have girls, I have children. Like I, I know the process and he was a baby. And just, I know my husband said those things to try to ease my pain and make it easier. Um, but at the time I resented him for it and it was just really difficult um, and so hard to put into words all the different emotions and the different feelings um, around that time. But, um, sorry, <laughs> it's so hard to tell you all the feelings um, and where I was then. But basically, I, I shut out all other women. I shut out my mom, my sister, my best friend. I didn't think I was worthy to talking to them. It just, it was just a, a it was really hard on myself. Um, you know, it was really hard on myself. Like being a mom, a woman, um, it just didn't feel right. I just didn't feel worthy. Um, I didn't understand. So 
I didn't understand how we let ourselves get there. I, I know like I was on birth control and I ran out when I was seeing my parents in over Easter for two days. And then when I got back home, I started right back up. So I don't know if that's why or the stress of the whole year. I didn't know the reason. I was trying to figure it all out. I was trying to understand. And of course, it's not something you can understand. And I just remember trying to find a doctor who would work with me and who would have help me have this baby. Um, and I couldn't find one. Um, and I just remember finally accepting it the day I called my dad because I shut all the women out and I, I called my dad and he just talked to me and he's like, listen, you know, he, he said, it's kind of your chances, right? He's, I, they have, they were laid out for me. They could be all these different things. Um, I could have lost my life. The baby and I both could have lost our lives. I could have, the baby would have had, could have had many, many health issues because I wouldn't have provided the nutrients and the oxygen and the correct levels and all the things this baby needed because my body was so unhealthy and not doing what it needed for me, let alone another be another life. Um, so there are many scenarios of what could have happened. And the smallest, smallest one was the baby could have lived and I would have lived for a short time, but my health um, would have declined. I my, my lifespan, no matter what, whether I made it through the pregnancy or not, would have been shortened. My lifespan would have been shortened. It was almost pretty much a guarantee I would have needed a defibrillator after that, just where I was already with my heart at that time. Um, so the smallest chances the baby made it and I either died earlier than I should have or didn't or, or died giving birth. Um, but that one small chance that the baby could have made it is what I held on to for, for so long during those weeks, trying desperately to make it work. And I remember talking to my dad and he's like, you know, it's like, and he was crying with me and he's like, it's like having, um, playing Russian roulette and having one chamber without a bullet. He's like, that's your chances. And he's like, you basically that I couldn't do it. Um, so, you know, I understood what everybody was saying. I, I still didn't really accept it, but I went along with emotions. Um, and so there was a time that, I'm so sorry for all these tears, <laughs> but there was a time when I had to go in with my husband and they had to do a sonogram to see if the baby was at a phase where they were able to, to terminate the pregnancy. And... I remember they were supposed to leave the heart monitor off and they didn't. And of course I heard the heartbeat and my husband tried to tell me there wasn't a heartbeat yet and, if, and it wasn't a baby. And I told him all along, of course he is, of course he is. And I heard the heartbeat and my husband freaked out. They turned it off, but I still heard, heard that. It echoed through my soul and you know, you can still hear it. So that didn't help. Um, that's one of the defining moments I remember. Like I said, a lot of this time is, is such a blur. After that, the next thing I really remember is the day. It was May 21st and my neighbor watched our girls for us. And there was this, um, I don't know if you're from Long Island, you have all these fun little fairs. And there happened to be a fair in our, our town. And so I know they were gonna take our girls there and take care of them for us. and. Um, 
I went in and I remember being in this room, I guess it was an, a room where you get ready for day surgeries and I was alone and a nurse and it was open and cold and lonely and for whatever reason my husband had, I don't know if I was changing or what they had me do, but my husband had stepped out and I was crying during this whole entire process. I couldn't, I couldn't stop crying from start to finish. I was in there crying and my husband was not in the room at the time and the nurse was so cold to me. She was the coldest nurse I've ever had. Um, and she just came up to me and said, you know, you don't have to do this, right? So clearly this woman had not read my chart, didn't realize that I even had to go through a series of testing even to make this possible. Didn't, she had no idea. She had no idea why I was there or the circumstance around it. She And she clearly didn't agree. Um, so I remember that. And I remember my husband coming back in and um, I had told him what had happened. And the next thing I remember, I honestly don't remember saying goodbye. I don't remember them coming to get me. I don't remember them putting me under for the surgery, for the procedure. Um, I just remember crying that whole time, that whole morning. And then I remember waking up and it was such a small room. I didn't know, I don't know if they knew it was gonna be a mess when I woke up, but it was almost like a little closet. I was by myself um, and I woke up just crying. And I honestly, I don't remember when I stopped. <laughs> and I felt lonely and empty and, you know, all those things you could imagine <laughs> you might feel. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of where the story is, is, and it's so hard to talk about. There is nothing out there for, I mean, there's a little bit out there for women who have cardiomyopathy with pregnancy. There is a little bit of groups out there for that, but there is no um, group or place to turn to to find for women who have to terminate a pregnancy for their own health, like not for the baby, not for anything else, like your own health, being a mother and knowing what that means. Um, and the guilt surrounding that and what you put on yourself. There is nothing out there for you to talk to. There's n nowhere for you to find those other women because I know there there's some, there has to be other women out there in those in this position. Um, there are plenty of groups for women who have miscarriages or you know loss of a baby for several several reasons. Um, um, for those who are trying desperately to become pregnant and can't get pregnant. And I'm not discounting any of those. I felt I didn't belong, that I wasn't worthy to even grieve with those women because I was able to get pregnant and I had to take it away. So I didn't feel I was worthy of even their support. I didn't feel we were, I felt I was so beneath all of that. Um, so really hard and really hard to talk about the whole judgment around, you know, abortion in the first place. And um, not to dive into that too much. I know like everybody has their own feelings surrounding that, but I was always the person that knew that sometimes life happened and there were things that people don't understand. And it was something that if someone needed to do it for their choice, I completely understood but I grew up thinking this was something I could never do and would never do, but I was okay in understanding of those that needed to. That was my position on abortion. Um, but I've been afraid to say this story because I know there are many people out there that are hard set against it no matter what the reason. And 
knowing that, like feeling that, I felt during that time that I should have given my life for this baby and for that small chance that he would survive. And in the end, um, knowing that that was most likely not going to happen, I, I looked at it as choosing my girls and being here for them. And I've never, um, I've looked at my life differently, honestly, since then and tried to make certain choices um, to, you know, to live the right way for this baby that I had to take away, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, during, I guess, just to tell you a little bit more, <laughs> um, and I feel like I am not giving the story justice or saying the words that I really wanted to say in the heartfelt um, thoughts that if you're in a position like this that I have for you, but please give yourself grace if you are, if, if this happens true to someone in a similar situation. Um, but anyway, I, you know, went through life the next few years. Um, I'll be honest and say I held a whole lot of resentment from my husband deep inside. On the outside, you know, I loved him dearly and I did not blame him, but I did have resentment for his part. I had resentment for him. Um, you know, the way he handled it. I see now he was trying to protect me and help me in the way that he thought was helpful by not talking about it, by making it less than it was, by making it seem like he wasn't really a baby. Um, by ignoring it, he thought just like pushing it aside, pretending it didn't happen would be helpful. And for me, it wasn't. For me, I just shoved it deep inside and I put on a smile to, you know, be a mom and do the right things for my girls. And so I held on a lot of resentment inside for an anger for myself, for the situation. And so that grew quietly underneath the surface. Um, and then our family was hit with 2011, um, Irene came through. So the second storm, we were our, our home was flooded on the first level with Hurricane Irene, and we were displaced again for several, several months. My little girls, they were, gosh, first grade then. So displaced again, they lost so many things. Um, my husband is insurance, and so he, not only was he dealing with our loss, but other people's losses, and this was supposed to be the one in 50 year storm. <laughs> so we weren't supposed to get another hurricane and we didn't have contents coverage, but crazy insurance talk. And my husband's like, oh, this won't happen again. We don't need to get content coverage. It's fine. And then we rebuilt our home and we got back in at some point. And then in 2012, Hurricane Sandy came through Long Island. This one had six feet of water we lived near a sewage plant well not near but close enough that we had raw sewage six feet of ocean water raw sewage and then um long island our town we all had heating oil that heated our homes so all of those tipped over so we had heating oil and all of that floating throughout six feet of water in our home um we had a small home and most of our things were on the first level the only thing upstairs was my our bedroom my daughter's bedroom and a bathroom. So everything else was downstairs. We lost everything and we did not have contents coverage. Um, my kids lost all their toys except for the few things that we took with us when we left and the few things that were in their bedroom upstairs. Um, 
So that was a devastating loss again. So the third time in our life, in my young daughter's lives, we were displaced um, and living with family. Thank goodness we had family to live with, but we were living with family and commuting back and forth and all of what that entails. And my husband this time, it wasn't just a small community of people that were affected. It was so many people that were affected from not having power for several weeks that people had losses from that, from the people that had losses from trees falling, the people that had losses like we did with full-on floods. Um, he was so overworked. And so he dove into that, like helping our own family and all these other people. Um, I rarely saw him and he was like beyond stressed. And um, so all my feelings were shoved down even more as I stepped up to the plate for the emotional level for my kids and helping them have a state of normalcy and keeping them as normal as possible in this crazy, unstable, unnormal situation that they were thrown into again. Um, and so we didn't get back home until spring of 2013. Then we were finally back home. Um, and during that time, uh, my husband and I were in a really difficult place at that time, as you can imagine, as we kind of just he held up his end of things and I held up my end of things and we kind of lost each other. And I think I got to a point where I felt I was reaching out and I was being shut out. And then I shut myself off from him. And long story short, to not get too personal, we were in a really, really difficult place in our marriage. There was so much love there, <laughs> so much love, but so much in the way. And then on top of that, this deep hurt that I was still dealing with and unable to let go of and not heal from. Um, and that was really strong and it wasn't something I really talked about. Nobody, nobody talked to me about it. There was no one for me to talk to. I couldn't find anybody. And so I held on to this hurt and this pain and this resentment and um, sadness of this baby during all of that. And so I remember I wasn't going to talk about this, but I remember in January before we were home, I was painting with my girls and, you know, watercoloring. And I was like, all right, I'll paint with them. <laughs> we'll be in this moment. I'll paint with them. And I remember painting this watercolor tulip. It was actually this beautiful tulip with colors all around it. And it just, I don't, didn't think about it. It just came. I just painted and it came. And for whatever reason, I signed my name on it. I am not an artist. I am not a great artist by any means and I just threw this on paper and for whatever reason I signed it and I kept it and then fast forward as we moved home in the spring our home still was surrounded the yard was a mess um we were surrounded like you know everything was redone our whole lower level was completely redone there was one point you could see like everything was down to the studs. You could see through our home. So everything was redone. There's debris and nails and everything around our front yard. Um, no grass really in, in the area. It was all turned up from all the the machines and everything to remove the oil from the, from the soil. Um, so many things. So just a complete disaster. No life left. And I remember stepping out of our door <laughs> and this tulip grew the tulip I painted. And I think that was one of my first like spiritual moments of starting to realize and starting to heal and starting to come back around. Um, but I was still in a really hurt, difficult, 
mental state, um, there's a little, a little bit of light is, you know, that there, I, I painted this flower and it grew in the most impossible place where we never had tulips in this middle of this debris, a nail next to it. It just was a message for me to hold, to keep holding on. Um, I'll fast forward to, um, I want to tell you a really unbelievable event and then wrap it up and tell you, you know, where I, you know, just wrap it up for you. But I feel this message should be shared and maybe this will be helpful for you. So, um, my husband and I were in a really rough spot. We were trying desperately to heal our marriage and come back together, um, and fix what had been broken. Like we were so good at keeping the pieces together for everyone, everyone else, and we lost each other. And we were trying so desperately to refind each other, and to just fix the broken pieces. Um, because, like I said, that love was there. It, it was just we were we were, you know, beat down and lost each other, and we we didn't want to let go. So we were sitting there. It was the summer of 2013, trying to pull ourselves back together. And, um, I remember this night, my, our kids were in bed and for whatever reason, it was drawn outside. <laughs> so I go outside and I saw this, I thought it was a spider web. It was like this light or this like string. You can know, you can imagine like a spider web and it's kind of like iridescent E and you can kind of see it, but not super clear when it's dark out. So I swatted at it, like thinking, okay, maybe it's a spider web to get it out of the way. It wasn't a spider web and it really, it felt like love. It drew you in. It was mesmerizing. Um, I don't have any, I, this story is not going to give it justice. Um, and you're, you're not going to believe me, but I have to share it with you. Um, it looked almost watery. It was iridescent not really iridescent but it, it was like it was there but watery and you could see through it and it was like fluid and it moved in the air and it just totally draws you in and it just engulfs you and this feeling of love and you're like frozen within it just watching it and it just danced around you and at one point I don't know how long I was out there just watching this beautiful dance of whatever this thing was. And my husband comes outside and instantly he was like, you've been out here well? I'm like, yeah. And I didn't say anything. I just kept watching this. And then all of a sudden he starts swatting at it. And I was like, oh my God, you see it too? And he's like, yeah, what is that? And I was like, I, I don't know. And we just sat there watching it float around us. And I... I'm so thankful that he came out and saw it too because it's literally so unbelievable. And I could never describe it in the way that we saw it. But I would, I just at one point raised my hand and it rose up to like meet my hand. And I put my hand down and it flew down to my hand almost to say, like, yeah, I'm, it's, I'm here. It's me. This is real. And we just watched it and it floated around and danced and moved back and forth. And it just had a feeling. And um, I don't know how long we were there. And then all of a sudden it flew up past us. Oh, we were in our backyard. So it flew over our house <laughs> this way. And then, so we watched it. We looked up and watched the direction that it went. And then just as it went out of view, a shooting star 
pat went back the opposite direction from where it flew. So it flew over our house, over here somewhere, and then right where that was, a shooting star flew back. It was the most unreal, most beautiful thing you could have ever witnessed. Um, and we didn't speak. And then all of a sudden, my husband just said, you were right. He's a boy. He was a boy. And I just started crying. And it's just like, I truly believe. And it's okay if you don't believe. But it spoke to us without speaking to us. And it spoke, told us each what we needed to hear in that moment. And we both knew it. We both felt the same thing. And without telling each other what we thought it was, we both knew what it was and it and it was the soul or the light or the life force or the soul, whatever you want to put that label on of our baby. And he came that night, I believe, to help us heal, to help us understand like from that moment. I will tell you as a mom, you you will know if if you've if you are a mom, you know the feeling of holding your baby for the very first time. It's a feeling you think you will never, ever forget. It's so beautiful. And you do a little bit. You, you, it's, it fades. Like, you don't forget it, but it does fade. And I guess if you're a mom of multiple children, you know, and I'm clearly not, but you must know that once you hold your another new baby for the first time, that it comes back full force, right? Like, and you feel that all again. And then it probably slowly fades a bit. That night... I felt like I held my baby for the first time. That feeling was so strong and it was such a beautiful gift to have. And he basically um, let us know that um, he was never meant to be born. If you can believe that, like he, the purpose wasn't to be born. The purpose was, I don't know, to set us on a new path. Um, to set us on the right path, we were lost, to put us in the right direction, reset type of thing. Um, I don't know if you believe it, maybe one of those things that was meant to happen for whatever reason when you decide to come to this earth, if you believe in that. Um, but he did, if, if that would have happened, I would have died, that baby would have died. He was not meant to be born. Um, and that was his purpose. And so there is so much more to that and so much more personal that, you know, for my husband and myself that I just cannot put into words. And gosh, I wish I could just give that moment to all of you to experience because it literally was the most surreal, beautiful moment that you could ever imagine. And even to try to make a movie scene from that is near impossible because it was like nothing I could ever even have dreamt up. And it truly opened my eyes to there is so much more to this life. There is so much more to the afterlife that we don't understand, um, that we couldn't even begin to understand what all of that really is. But I just want to take that and share that with you, that if you are in a difficult situation, maybe you're in a similar situation as me where you have had an abortion for reasons beyond your control or maybe you've had one for reasons that you did for you and you what was right for your life and it's that guilt eats you away um that guilt surrounding it because it's such a topic that is not easily talked about forgive yourself <laughs> like there is a reason for so many for everything that we might not understand right now um 
one day you'll look back on it and hopefully the pieces will fall into place and you'll see a reason or a purpose. Um, I'm having trouble <laughs> finding this um, super inspira inspirational moment to give to you, but I, I just want you to know there is so much more. There, there is so much more. Whatever you are dealing with in life, wherever you are today, be gentle on yourself. Be gentle on those around you. I will say I've learned over these past few years that I was judged so harshly for other things during that time that people had no idea what I was dealing with. And they would hear one little, one little snippet of my life that they thought was something and take it to what they wanted to believe and make a story around it that had nothing to do with me and wasn't even true. But I was so quiet about all of these things and all the things I was dealing with that most people didn't know. And it's not their fault, but it allowed me to get to a really, really dark, scary place. Um, and that baby came back to pull us out and, and, um, so two things, I guess, if you are in that really dark, scary place, you're not alone. Don't go through it alone. It is reach out um, to somebody, anybody, and, and don't do it alone. Like, don't make yourself go and push those feelings deep down, like, to a place that brings you down a path you're not meant to go down. Um and there is so much more. <laughs> there is so much more than than you can imagine out there. So give yourself grace. Give yourself love. <sighs> know that hard things happen and maybe we don't understand why mistakes happen. Whatever it is surrounding those type of feelings, give yourself that love and grace. And... um don't be stuck there too long. And when you're feeling it, go deep, feel it for what it is and accept it for what it is. And then let it be and let, and just, and don't block yourself from flowing because flowing is where all the good things happen. Let yourself flow and feel all the good and all the bad and see where it takes you. And if there's one thing that I've learned from this is judgment. I try so hard not to judge people. It's a really hard thing. Like little judgments come in here and there for so many different things in life. And if there's one thing I could teach or by by sharing, I, I think we all learn so much better by going through our own things. But if if I can give you one thing from my experiences, please don't judge others. Like <laughs> even if there's someone who are super open and talk to you about all these things and throwing their showing their life out there on display. I'm here to tell you there are definitely still things that they hold deep inside that they aren't talking about and to not judge people for things because you until you walk in their shoes and then also not just walk in their shoes but live life the, the way that they've lived it and hear all the thoughts in their head that the waves that they've heard them and be where they are mentally while they're dealing with and doing the things you're judging them on so you have no idea like how you would respond in that situation you may think one thing and say, oh, I would never be caught dead. I would never do that. And until you are walked that path and were put into that spot with all of those things on top of it, it'd be really nice to believe you wouldn't do that or you wouldn't have to, but you never know. You just never know, you know, what it, what it really is until you're in it. So have grace for other people 
And I challenge you to, if you feel that judgment <laughs> and you feel you need to judge that, turn it on yourself. It's my favorite thing to do now is when I have something come up for me that I'm resisting or I don't like or something that bothers me, whether it's about someone else or something, I love to sit with it and turn it back on myself and find what it is with me that that's bothering me. Like I know it's something inside of me that has nothing to do with them. I find our judgments really have nothing to do with the people we're judging and more to do with something inside of us. So I challenge you to, if you feel the need for those type of feelings and judgments and resentments or whatever triggers someone is giving you, Turn it around on the flip side and go deep within yourself and see what you can find and uncover about you and, and what you can find, <laughs> if that makes sense, and make yourself better from it and go out there and just give love for yourself and for other people um, and, and, and just have grace. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, I know I'm missing something important that I wanted to tell you, but be gentle on yourself, be gentle on others, and there truly is so much more to this amazing, beautiful world we live and the things we can't see and the connections and the invisible strings that connect us all. And even though you feel like you're all alone in something that you're going through, you're not. And if you happened to be going through something similar or something that resonates with you with what I talked about, please feel free to reach out to me. I'm here for you too. So thank you so much and um, for listening and I hope you have a beautiful day. <laughs>